Hello, it is Tuesday the 5th of May. This is The Briefing, the show that gets you up to speed every morning on the news that you need to know. And today I'm joined by Annika Smethurst. And Annika, we're talking about an issue that is vexing a lot of couples around Australia. Yeah, what to do if you had a wedding planned in the times of coronavirus? Yeah, it's such a difficult decision. Do you go ahead with, um, in some states, only five people there and maybe people Zooming in or do you postpone How do you make that decision? Yeah, it's forcing people to have some pretty serious conversations too. Like what's more important, having a marriage, having a wedding? Do you want to have kids in that order, get married first and then have children? So some of my friends dealing with uh, issues they really didn't think that would come up ahead of their wedding day. Yeah, we'll also find out uh, why some people are opting for drive-through weddings. Um, Before we get into that, let's find out all the other important stories going on in the world today. Tom, we could be heading overseas a lot earlier than expected, but that will just be to New Zealand. Hey, that's still pretty good. Look, it's better than nothing. I thought I was going to have to, you know, settle for broom. So <laughs> New Zealand PM Jacinda Ardern is dialing into today's national cabinet meeting to discuss this so-called trans-Tasman bubble we might find ourselves living in. Both our countries' strong record on fighting the virus has placed us in the enviable position of being able to plan the next stage in our economic rebuild and to include trans-Tasman travel and engagement in our strategy. Yeah, that's Prime Minister Ardern from New Zealand, Australia's favourite Prime Minister. Um, she's been invited to the Cabinet and they look at whether to restart flights between our two countries um, since we're both flattening the curve. She said it won't be weeks, insinuating that it will probably be months. New Zealand will also push ahead with plans to get its own COVID-safe app. Ours has now been downloaded by more than 4.5 million people. Yeah, it could be a big boost to both our our economies if this trans-Tasman travel bubble goes ahead. Almost one and a half million Kiwis travel here every year, while more than a million Aussies head across the ditch to New Zealand. Yeah, and that trans-Tasman economic relationship is also worth approximately $22 billion a year. So a healthy injection into the economy also. Yeah, it's amazing how much economic value is, is generated just between our two countries. I'm actually personally excited by this, like the sound of a a South Island winter holiday sounds pretty good to me. I'm sure it wasn't. I wasn't the only household last night discussing the possibility of a New Zealand ski trip or something yes. over the winter break. But look, I think it'll be hard to get flights. I think Australians will jump on this and uh, be rushing over to New Zealand if it's the only place we can go. And still on the National Cabinet that's meeting today, there's hope that we'll get a better idea of how and when community sport can start up again. Um, the leaders are set to consider a framework um, that's been set out by the Australian Institute of Sport. So that's great news. Yeah, the Prime Minister said they'd discuss it this week. Under the guidelines, the return would be staged. So with groups of under 10 people uh, allowed outdoors to do activities, it might be a bit cold for a picnic, but this is the sort of thing they're going to discuss. Mm, 10, that's enough for a um, cycling peloton to start back up again, which I'm excited about. <laughs> um, you don't have to imagine me in micro, sorry. Um, we're also learning what eating out during coronavirus could look like. Um, Restaurants and Catering Australia is trying to convince the Cabinet to let business reopen early next month by putting a few safeguards in place. Yeah, look, among those, it would be recording a diner's name if they don't have the app. So you'd give them your name and your mobile phone number in case it was proven later that somebody there had the virus. People would also have to keep 1.5 metres away from each other and we'd need to use disposable menus. So some more posh restaurants might actually not like doing this. But ultimately, it'll come to down to the states and territories to make all these calls. A disposable menu could be a blackboard as well, could work. And I note there, Annika, that 
you might have to record your name at restaurants given you haven't downloaded the app. Maybe this will be the clencher to get me over the line to sign the app. Well, do you trust a restaurant with your personal information more than the government? <laughs> Look, I think it's about storage, isn't it? So, um, you know, in my mind, if it goes off to a state authority, a lot of people might have their hands on that. Whereas, do I trust that one barista or waiter? Um, I'll have to make this call, Tom. And look, I am inching closer to getting it every day. I'm feeling the pressure of Team Australia. All right, we don't want to bully you into it, but there is legislation coming in um, with more protections about how the information might be used next week. So maybe that could be the clincher. Remember that story yesterday about the former AFL coach photographed in a wig at a Melbourne police station? Well, we're finding out more about how that photo of Dean Laidley ended up on the front page of the News Corp newspapers. A Victorian police officer could face up to two years in jail for allegedly taking and sending the photo. Look, this is one of the most appalling breaches um, and I cannot recall a breach of someone's privacy like this, an individual when they're in custody occurring that I can remember. That was Deputy Police Commissioner Shane Patton there. The officer has been suspended for allegedly sending it to at least six people on a WhatsApp group. He could be charged with unauthorised disclosure of information. Yeah, and an internal investigation is underway and it's also been referred to the state's corruption watchdog. And with so many live shows cancelled, finally there is one we can all watch, Annika. There's a meteor shower about to light up the sky over the next few days. Yeah, people who are willing to get up early enough will see up to 50 shooting stars an hour as part of the show, which is made up of rock and ice coming from Halley's Comet. That's pretty exciting. It is very early, though. You'll have to set your alarm. It'll be happening around 4am local time tomorrow and Thursday. That won't be a problem for us, Annika. We're getting up at 4am every day to do this podcast now. Exactly. A rare win for early risers. So I might jump in the backyard before uh, heading on the air to do this podcast and check out the 50 shooting stars. That's incredible. Yeah. So just to peel back the layers for you there, um, listening to this podcast, we are now getting up at 4am and recording it at 5am so that it can be ready for you at 6am every morning. Um, particularly when you're commuting back to work. Um, this podcast, the briefing will be there before you start your commute if you're working um, relatively normal hours. So um, if you hear us sounding a bit croaky, right, Annika, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've had a few cups of tea this morning, but it's really hard to wipe that early croak. All right, let's talk weddings. Hope you're enjoying the briefing. We're now into the second half of the show where we go deeper and give you A big brief on a very important story. And today we're looking at weddings in the time of corona. Yeah, I really feel for anyone that has a wedding booked after the 21st of March this year, which is when the Prime Minister Scott Morrison made this announcement. Weddings can continue to be conducted where it is just the couple, the celebrant and the witnesses. That's no more than five people. The four square metre rule has to be observed within the venue in which that's taking place. But... Large gatherings for weddings, sadly, won't be possible under these new arrangements. Now, Tom, based on my social media feed, this has affected so many people. But ABS data tells us more than 11,000 Aussie weddings have been affected by that restriction. They've either had to postpone their wedding or just do it with five people or cancel altogether. Yeah, it's so full on to have your big day impacted in that way. People plan for their weddings for years. I think what it's done is it's forced people to really have to think about why they were getting married? Was it about doing it for the family and their their community and that big event? 
Um, was it about just getting married so that you would have children in the right order, so to speak, or, or was it just about the two of you? Yeah, I've had some pretty serious chats with some of my friends about what they're going to do now. Are they going to put off a wedding for a couple of years or do they want to start a family and could putting it off jeopardise that? How important is that wedding to them? So, you know, a lot of people are being forced to make not just a decision about, you know, cancelling the caterer, but about what this means for their future. Yeah, and they've also had to adapt for people that want to go ahead. And we're going to hear about a really interesting adaptation, drive-through weddings. We'll explain what that means in a moment. First, let's go to someone who's been faced with all those tough decisions. Um, She's actually a friend of mine, Jane Coston. Uh, She was supposed to get married on Anzac Day. She's been tearing her hair out, her and her partner, Hugo, almost downsized to a five-person ceremony at the last minute, but then aborted that plan Um, Let's find out why they didn't want to do that. Jane, thanks for joining us. Tell us how that all unfolded. You'd given up on your your plan for the, the big day that you'd been working towards for a long time. How much of a nightmare has this been for you? Well, I think in the scheme of nightmares, not so nightmarish, but um, I think trying to plan a wedding for the second time was just as painful as the first time. And I really don't want to have to do it for the third time. Yeah. So you came close, Jane, to doing the five-person wedding. Talk us through what, what happened there. So we ended up calling our parents and our family, just checking everyone was cool with it. They seemed cool. Everyone was happy with it. We'd set up the Zoom. I'd spoken to our celebrant and our photographer. I tried my dress on again because there's been a lot of isolation snacks. So I just wanted to check <laughs> it still fit. And um, we had all our ducks in a row. And then as the day sort of wore on, the reality started to set in that, you know, our day wouldn't be spent with our closest family. And I think there was a little bit of regret from our parents. There were a couple of tears. And then by about nine o'clock that night, we both had cold feet and we reversed our decision, which was comical now. (laughs) It mustn't have been very comical on the day, I imagine. So uh, a lot of people I'm speaking to say they're not even going to rebook a date because they don't know when these restrictions will be lifted. But that also leaves the case of how will we end up with book dates for weddings in the future? Surely all the venues will book up. This is the thing. I'm honestly trying to find the date. We, We acted really quickly. We ended up, I just thought, let's do it immediately because I was just thinking about the hundreds and hundreds of people who would be trying to organize another date. So we ended up calling it quite early, like late um, March when the stay-at-home order got introduced. We just thought it's not going anywhere. So we spoke to our vendors and, yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. It took two days to try and coordinate everyone and we penciled it in for late September. But the thought of having to do that again and having to wait and and the unknowing, we've just decided that's a drop-dead date and um, we're not going to try and organise it again. So if it can be five people, it's five people. If it's 50, it's 50. Well, I was on the invite list, so I'm hoping that it's, you know, huge <laughs> and, and amazing. Um, Jane, I guess the big thing here is it's made people think about why they were getting married. Was it just something they wanted to do before they had children because they wanted to do it in that traditional order? Was it about a celebration with their their community and their family? Was it just about them? Have you learned more about why you and Hugo are getting married? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, our parents were always saying, oh, we thought you two would be the type to elope. And we're not particularly traditional in the sense that weddings and babies. But I think because we had amped the day up to, we had planned what we thought it was going to be. And we're both really close with our family. And we have a great support group of friends. And I think when you take them away, it kind of just is a day to 
do the formal element. And I think we really, we, we like the idea of that bonding experience with friends and family. Jane, thank you so much for sharing your story with us on the briefing and um, hopefully see you on that magnificent sunny day. Good weather, just like there was on April 25th when oh, your wedding was God. meant to be on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Oh, Annika, I found that kind of touching that after all of that messing around and the, the difficulty, what they realised was that they they had amazing families and the most important thing was to, to share this moment with them. Absolutely. And it won't be the same for everybody. Some people it will be more important to just do it with another person. But I guess they're the decisions now everybody's going to have to face. Love in the time of corona. Yeah, it's fascinating. So I guess this is the opposite end of the spectrum, a way that people are adapting to do this in a much quicker way just to get it done, drive through I do. Yeah, this is an interesting idea and a great example of businesses adapting in COVID-19. Drive through weddings. All right, so let's go to the founder of this service, Clara McMurray. Clara, you're one of four women who created this amazing service. Explain to us, how does a drive-through wedding work? Right, well, basically, there's very little paperwork involved. Um, We tick all the legal boxes, but uh, it's quite simply put together. And then you literally pick a spot and rock up in your car. You can stay in the car or get out of the car. Up to you. Five people. Two witnesses, you two, and a celebrant, and boom, it's done in about five minutes. Sounds pretty simple there. Clara, can you tell us how you came up with this idea? This has got a very Vegas vibes about it. What about the coronavirus made you come up with the idea of drive through weddings? One element is that there's a lot of grieving couples out there wondering what to do about their, their cancelled or postponed wedding plan. Birthdays and marriages closed down, so that left a lot of people short, people who need to get married for whatever reason. But also, media-wise, there's just so many people needing some good news. And I think we just struck luck, (laughs) if that's a term. Okay, so you're allowed five people at a wedding. How does it physically work, your service? Who's who? Well, you've got a marrying couple and then they have two witnesses. So that can either be friends or family, which can be really difficult to choose just two. Some people are choosing to opt for a really funky car um, and thus the driver acts as a witness as well. So if you've got issues with you you just don't know who to choose, uh, it can be easier to go, we'll go photographer and driver and done. No one can come. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw that you offer the option to do it in the car. What's that all about? Are people seriously too lazy to get out of the car to get married? (laughs) I don't think it's about laziness. I think it's about doing something quirky and different. It's also excellent for social distancing because even uh, despite everyone's greatest efforts, it is quite uh, difficult to just, just human nature. We're just not used to it. So when it's a wedding, obviously emotions are heightened and it can be harder to remember not to run up and hug each other and that kind of thing. So when, when the couple's sitting in the car, it just makes that easier. So the witnesses would stand on one side of the car and the celebrant on the other and no one needs to go too close to each other. We just hand the paperwork in, they sign it on the dashboard. It's very rock and roll. Now, Clara, my understanding is it's not like Maccas. You actually do have to give um, a notice to authorities (laughs) to say, uh, we will get married in a month. You you can't just show up on the day. But um, (laughs) given that sort of backlog, how many people are sort of taking up this service? 
we are being flooded. I think we launched about a week after birth, death, marriages closed down. So we've had a lot of people who have already signed that notice and thus haven't had to wait the month. And then May, we're going to be absolutely pumping because that gives us a month's notice. So no, it's not like Macca's, but I guess it would be if Macca's took a month to from the order <laughs> to actually get into the window. <laughs> <laughs> to give you your fries. <laughs> yeah, they'd be a bit cold. <laughs> oh, it's such a beautiful idea, Clara. And um, yeah, I think you're going to do well as a business as well as, I guess, giving people something to hope for during this bizarre time. That was Clara McMurray, one of the founders of Drive Through I do. And Annika, how interesting that some people that weren't going to get married are now getting married during the time of Corona. Absolutely. I think Clara's right there. It just takes all the pressure off. Here is an easy way to do something you've always wanted to get around to doing, but there's been a lot of messiness in the process. So I think this is a great service and hopefully it outlives COVID-19. Absolutely. Well, great talking um, love, family, marriage with you, Annika. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Tomorrow on the podcast, gigs in the time of Corona. Are you asking for a refund for any gigs that you are going to go to? We explore the impact of the coronavirus on the industry, but also on music fans, many of whom are very frustrated by what's been happening. That's the briefing. Make sure you subscribe on the Podcast One Australia app or wherever you normally get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about it and follow us on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast. Catch you tomorrow. A Podcast One production.